confessions of a new creation. <clears throat> Since it's a new year, we want to look for new things. We want to look for new opportunities, new, new ways that we can serve God, new ways that we can advance the kingdom of God. And so I thought it'd be good if we did uh, a reminder on the confessions of a new creation. In the book of James, we are told by James that in verse 6, chapter 3, if it, the tongue, sets on fire the course of nature, that is, the wheel of Genesis, and it is set on fire by hell. The tongue is obviously a dangerous thing. It is set on fire by hell, and it is determining the course of nature, or as it says in Greek, the wheel of Genesis, the beginning of what's going to be coming in our life. And so we come to understand quickly when we get saved that there is danger in our tongue. And we need to watch carefully over what we say and how we say it. We need to keep them Christ-honoring. We need to keep them uplifting. You know, the book of Proverbs teaches us that we are going to eat the fruit of our words. Whatever it is we're saying is going to come back. It's a sowing and there will be a reaping. And because it is the wheel of Genesis, essentially we need to recognize that our words will change the course of our life. So rather than be negatrons, we need to be a very positive people. That's not the easiest thing to accomplish. We are told in James 3 at verse 8 that no man can tame the tongue. We can't tame our tongue, but Holy Spirit will if what James tells us is this, that you can't tame the tongue, but you can bridle it. That is to say, you can get your tongue bridled and you can turn the reins over to Holy Spirit, asking Holy Spirit to please over what's coming out of this mouth because it's going to fashion my tomorrows. Amen? In fact, verse 8 of this chapter uh, goes on to say the tongue is an unruly evil. That is, it is an evil right in our own mouth full of deadly poison. We need to recognize that as we look in the mirror and see what's in there, it's a red flag. It is to say it it's, means danger, highly explosive, full of deadly poison. We need to immediately rein in our speech and give the reins to Holy Spirit because this tongue is going to control my destiny. And I want my destiny to be without poison. Amen? 2 Timothy 2.16 says, Shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase for more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. That's awful. 
Another translation says, will spread like gangrene. That is awful. We need to watch carefully what is coming out of our mouths. Now, when John the Baptist came on the scene, Jesus pointed to him and said, Isaiah spoke about this man. John actually knew that Isaiah had spoken about him. In fact, we'll read this in John chapter 1, the gospel, verses 19 down to 23. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John recognized that Holy Spirit had described him and that that was his identity. He did not say, let me tell you what I think. He did say, let me tell you who God said I am. Every one of us needs to find that place where we find our identity in what God has said about us, not what history might say about us, not what other folks might say about us. We are new creations and we should be confessing what God says or who God says we are, not what history says. We need to learn what God says, agree with him, and with the new life that he describes is now ours, not the old life that we recollect, the old life that we remember. Second Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in him are yes. That is why we utter the amen. So, yes, all the promises of God are yes, but many of them do not have a self-contained amen. They need an amen from us attached to them. Essentially, neither you nor I can make the promises yes, but in Christ, all the promises are yes and that is why we say the amen. Amen? Amen. So just consider how life started for you in Christ. Uh, your very first confession was Jesus is Lord. That's what makes you a believer. That's what makes you a Christian. When you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you call him Lord. And so God had said Jesus is Lord a long time ago. It didn't do you any earthly good. Not until you came into agreement with what God said. And when you did say what God said, Jesus is Lord, you were born again. Creative miracle went to work. You can't make the promises, yes, but 
That is why we utter the amen through Christ Jesus. Amen? So we want to say the same thing God says. What comes out of my mouth today, comes out of your mouth today, is going to forge my tomorrow and your tomorrow. You are who God says you are through, uh, even though your memory might fail to recognize that. That is to say, you might be thinking, no, 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 I'm the sick guy. That is not what God says about you. He says you're the healed one. You might be thinking, no, 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 I, I, I'm the addicted guy. No, God has something to say, and he says you are free in Christ Jesus. You might be thinking, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I've always been this way. I'm the worry wart. God has made you to be anxious for nothing not to be a worry war. And so we need to say what God says. It tells me, or us, in Hebrews 13, the end of verse 5 and the beginning of 6, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is for us. We shall not fear. That is, formula is, if God said it, then we can say it. Amen. So, if we're going to be people of faith, we need to voice whatever God has said about us and then act on what God has said about us. And in this way, our life becomes a witness to the truth, a testimony to the truth, to the truth of Jesus. There's a key scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.3. It says, Therefore, since we have the same spirit of faith as he had who said, I believed and therefore I spoke. We too believe and therefore speak. That is to say, David was the one being quoted here and he said what God said. We need to be like David and we need to say what God said. Not what the world said, not what somebody else said, what the Lord said about us. So this is our practice. We say what God said. In Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 34, at the end of it, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You need to listen to yourself when mm, crisis hits, when pressure comes, because whatever is the chief deposit in your heart is the first thing that's coming out of your mouth when pressure turns up. Amen? Amen. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you will get the word in you and that word it is uh, the abundance of your heart out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we put into us what God says about us. And when the pressure hits, that is what is going to come out. Ultimately, all through life, faith speaks. That means faith is going to say what God already said. He said to Abraham, the father of our faith, 
in Romans 4.17. I have made you the father of many nations. I have made you the father, if you will, of multitudes. That verse goes on and continues in saying, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God is not limited to time. God lives in eternity. Eternity doesn't have a past or a future. Eternity only has truth. Truth. And so when God speaks, he'll always speak out of eternity where there's no yesterday and there's no tomorrow. There is just I am. I am lives in eternity. And as we join him, we say what he says. Amen. You can't necessarily see what God is saying with your five natural senses because God calls things that be not or are not yet manifest as though they were. That is to say, God is speaking from a position of belief, not something seen. It is something clearly understood for him, not something seen. And so we are directed to the same pattern Often, we agree with God in terms of something that's ultimately contrary to what our natural sen senses are, are speaking to us, are dictating. In other words, let me give you an example. God said to Joshua, I have given you the land. The giants were still there. Nothing had changed regarding giants. The fortresses still stood. None of them had disappeared. What was different? All of the barriers to entering the land were still the same. Nothing was different except the people of God who had discovered or learned <coughs> that they would if they would hear and receive what God was saying, they could walk in what he had said, and they indeed would come to see it. They wouldn't see it and then believe it. They would believe it and then see it. And so God's people, when they heard him invite them into the future, simply agreed and having said, I have given you the land they had been commissioned to now go walk because wherever the sole of your foot treads, I have given you the land. God is saying, I did something. I need you to accept it, believe it, and walk in it. And when you do that, then you too will see what I see. Amen. And so... We recognize as believers, 
that mental ascent is the church's greatest enemy. I repeat it again. The greatest enemy of the modern church is mental ascent. Mental ascent is a subtle force to keep you and, and having the kingdom not advance in your life and ministry. There's an awful lot that God has said is done. It's done for you and it's done in you. And like Abraham, like Joshua, you and I need to walk in what God has declared. He said things to Abraham that were not visible, but Abraham walked in them and saw them come to be. Joshua believed God and walked in his truth, walked in his words. And Joshua saw what came from those words. And so if you were to take the very original act of creation and put it alongside the new creation that God has made, you'll see a bit of a parallel. And that parallel is that until God speaks, life is empty, without form, there is chaos, and there is darkness over the deep. But when the word of God is spoken over that situation, when you say, Jesus is my Lord, something shifts because although he was not your Lord, when you call him Lord, then the spirit of God is hovering over the chaos and the spirit of God will take the word of God and begin to create. That is to say, when you say, Jesus is my Lord, the first time, you are calling things that be not as though they are. That is to say, there's nothing in the natural realm to back up your statement that Jesus is Lord. In fact, in truth, you are, the first time you said that, you were a sinner. You were described as an enemy of God, but you called what was not as though it were. And when you did that, you saw the light come on. When you called out to Christ, the light went on and you saw that it was good. And you saw that it was very good. Amen. This is still true, church. Um, you don't see it until after you say it. The issue for each of us is what are you agreeing with today? Chaos, void, emptiness, darkness. Those things might be out there, but faith believes and speaks the word of God. And when it does, then we see the same results God did, that things are good, very good. So let's go back to John the Baptist, because when men came to John, they said to him, who are you? 
and he did not say, well, don't you know, I'm Elizabeth's son, I'm a cousin of Jesus. No, John went straight to the Word of God and quoted what God had said. You and I need to do that exact same thing. We need to be in the attitude and mindset of, I am who God says I am. That is to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the overcoming child of God. I am the success defined, success destined child of God, not by might, not by power, not by merit, but by the blood and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood and grace of Almighty God, who continually leads me in triumph. I am the overcoming, demon-stomping Son of God. I'm the tongue-talking child of God who knows how to pull heaven down to earth and find that every promise of God is already yes and amen. In closing, church, let's, let's just simplify life. We need to get our mouths lined up with the Word of God. He has said, and, and this is an analogy, but He has said to us, I have given you the land. Well, our response should be, let's go. He, God has said the equivalent of, I have made you the father of many nations. We should be procreating. So God has said to each of you, to me, to us as a church, pray for the kingdom to come. Again, kingdom is uh, shorthand for two words joined, kings, dominion. You should be expecting, you should be praying for the kingdom to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Scripture tells us that we are sent, literally sent, to make his enemies his footstool, to bring things under his control. Let's get busy with the work of God. Amen? Let's get busy with the work of God. Let's agree with God's word, give it voice in the earth, and have all of us and each of us walk in it. Amen. These are the confessions of a new creation. Old creations don't have anything much to say except about what was. New creations have a lot to say about things that are new and different from the way things used to be. Amen.